KUCR 88.3 FM Radio Aztlán, la radio de toda la raza, Simón Queyes. This is Alicia Rizón. I'm a professor at UCR. I teach Chicano studies, you know, los estudios de nuestra raza, de nuestras raíces y nuestra historia. Raza, you gotta stay at school. Education is the tool of our liberation. Quédense en la escuela porque de esa manera solamente encontrarán el camino. Y espero que sigan disfrutando la programación. Hello everybody, this is Carlos Montes. Un saludo a toda la gente de allá del, del, del Valle de Inland Empire. I want to say hello to everybody out there who's listening to Radio Free Aztlán on KUCR 88.3 FM. Hola, hola a todos. Entonces, queridos, y ten un muy feliz día y gracias por escucharnos. Welcome, everyone. You are listening to KUCR at 88.3 FM, also broadcasting online at KUCR.org. This is Daniel with the D-Report. Uh, today, we will continue a conversation we kind of had off and on throughout uh, the year. And we also have a returning guest, uh, Daisy Ocampo, from the history. Well, she is uh, studying in the history department, is joining us today again to kind of continue this talk. Uh, this being what they like to say, the Hispanic uh, Heritage Month, uh, we thought it might be appropriate to kind of tweak out some terms and concepts and general feedback on, on what um, that label applies or does not apply to. Uh, before we get started, uh, I'd like to uh, welcome Daisy. How are you doing? I'm back. <laughs> and uh, tell us a little about yourself. I know okay, you my were... name is Daisy. I am uh, currently a graduate student in the history department okay and um yeah you've invited me on several shows so i'm happy to be here and yeah well let's kind of review a little bit uh for our listeners the topic for today uh this month is normally you know it comes about and people talk about this hispanic heritage month we see uh the commercials uh yesterday i was listening to music and it was uh the the pink movement the breast cancer uh yes it's called susan oh susan g Komen. yep she was speaking and she was talking about hispanic women and cancer and, oh yeah and i noticed something like everywhere i turn it's like oh like mcdonald's has a commercial and it's like oh hispanic heritage and everything is like hispanic have you noticed oh yeah yeah they tailor yeah. whatever they're and, and then i'm like who are these hispanics they must be amazing they get like commercials and stuff. Yeah, you get your own breast cancer commercial. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, having said that, I think today we, I wanted to just talk a little bit about it because most of my research and even my own personal take on it, not just uh, like my background is in education. I, I also studied Chicano studies as a as an undergrad and then moved on 
to anthropology, focusing particularly on youth culture, issues of ethnic identity, and uh, education. So this is pretty much all I talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, I actually talk about this all the time just because it's my thing. You know, like people say these things and I get like all these alarms like why are they speaking so freely about something that I don't understand or they learn to not talk about them around you well I don't know if they learn I hope hope I don't shut people out I just find myself (laughs) really confused all the time and what I wanted to talk about is just that the uh, I came across an article from the Pew Research Center the Hispanic uh, Pew Research Center Uh and the title of this article is when labels don't fit Hispanics and their views of identity. Mm-hmm. So this uh, was a, a research project in which they uh, conducted surveys trying to get a sense of uh, demographics on, on this community, which they call the Hispanic community. Uh-huh. And they asked several things. Uh, they asked several things about, about it, kind of figuring out uh, how, do, how does this community view themselves in terms of politics, in terms of community, and one of the first things that came out of this research is that um, the term Hispanic doesn't fit. And it says that the, they, 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 they went around asking people how they felt about the term. And uh, they realized that a lot of people didn't identify with that term. And sometimes the term Hispanic is interchanged with the term Latino. And... For us, that's always been a really interesting thing because it feels so normal. But the term Hispanic as a government uh, issued uh, term is fairly recent. It's only been around 40 years. In 1976, it was passed by by Congress as Public Law 94-311 called the Joint Resolution Relating to the uh, Publication of Economic and Social Statistics for Americans of Spanish origin or descent. Surprisingly, that's a long title. Uh, all it was is that they made a, a resolution that in in doing statistical surveys on community demographics, they were going to include one new term, mm-hmm. which would be Hispanics. Uh, up to that point, they had issues such as white, black, Native American. And Hispanics were always... Other? Other or, or just... white. Or no? white, yeah. actually. There was a lot... Uh, I think about, for example, my, my sister's birth certificate, it, it's white. Uh-huh. I think about uh, Villarragosa's question. I don't know if it came across it uh, when they were doing the U.S. Census. And there was this question of like, wait, what What are you going to put down? What do we put down? And when, when it was about the we, it was like we as a community. you right. know. And then he responded with a very frank question like, well, I don't know. It, aren't we white? You know, isn't that what we're supposed to put you know, under race? But he, it was sincere. I mean, he mm-hmm. wasn't trying to. He was just like, hey, I grew up. That way, in that box, you put white, and I bet you, if you go to his birth certificate, I'm positive you're gonna see white there. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the way that we've come to see this racialized uh, myth of assuming people come into these categories, and Hispanic, Latino was this ambiguous. Like, what do you do with that? Having said that, we're in this month that is supposed to celebrate a community, uh, which, by by this research in itself doesn't really uh, appreciate or identify with the actual terminology itself. So I'm just kind of uh, trying to lay out the foundation for today's kind of talk. When you hear, you know, some of these different issues regarding like just the title alone, when labels don't fit, what, what are some of the things that come to mind? 
Well, I think there's um, there's a lot that comes to mind. I think uh, I have plenty of people. Uh, yeah, it's just really interesting because I think the the word uh, term Hispanic or Latino is pretty jam packed in that like it just uh, pretends to be an all encompassing uh, term, and you know that uh, I think that's doing a disservice obviously and two it's just really invalidating a lot of experiences a lot of uh filters a lot of uh regional um uh you know uh things that people uh bring with them and that suddenly it, not that it gets shut down but it gets uh it just gets clumped in together so for example um the term latino i know uh there's a big Thing where I think a, a lot of people are pushing a little bit more for nationality, right? So people are pushing for, um, you know, don't call me Latino, at least, you know, I'm Salvadorian or I'm Mexican, you know, let's go that far. Um, it'd be cool, obviously, once we get down to, you know, knowing a person's culture, you start getting down to maybe where your family's from, what pueblo, what community, uh, what traditions do you have, um, if that's there. Um, so it really just displaces, especially I think the recent immigrant, uh, community that are coming, you know, they come with years having lived in a certain place or places and they come here and that, that kind of gets erased. You know, you're just, you're just actually this. Surprisingly, I, I'd like to kind of address something that you mentioned about this, the way that people identify themselves first i was thinking about within the u.s there is a for for the community that didn't feel comfortable um adopting the terminology of hispanic as well as latino one of the most common responses as to why is that they felt much more comfortable approaching uh nationality as this descent category so i might have been born in the u.s but my mom was born in colombia so I'm Colombian. Like they felt much more comfortable associating themselves from this national, the countries, mm -hmm. than this like very generic uh, umbrella that uh, does erase diversity. But mm -hmm. then I was actually um, thinking about something more importantly about the diversity of experiences that get erased as well. So the the recent immigrant enters. We were kind of talking earlier and you mentioned something that, you know, the recent immigrant might enter from a region, right? They mm -hmm. might say Zacatecas, they might say Chiapas. And that's and that's how they've learned to see themselves the way that most of us think about us, like Southern California, Northern California. Mm -hmm. But when they leave and cross the border, in crossing the border, uh, there's like almost a magical effect. Yeah. And then they have to learn to no longer consider themselves from Chiapas, they have to use another term. Yeah, because now you have boxes, so uh, so that the U.S. doesn't care what region or anything like that, right? They just want to know whether you fall under that, you know, which is, do you come from a Spanish-speaking Spanish country? You do? Okay, great. You're, you know, that was your label. But I think one of the things that's coming to mind right now is this category gives... Um, gives creates i would say now gives creates 
this type of uh, second class citizens within this category. So when you talk about the indigenous Mexican person that comes in, um, they're already second class citizens in Mexico. Now they come here and they, you know, you there's this big old, um, there's this big old lingo of like, okay, well now I'm Mexican, but I carry a whole other culture on top of the mainstream, which they may not be participants of, a uh, mainstream Mexican culture, because I know that's what happened with my dad. He's native from Zacatecas. He came here and became Mexican. That is how my dad will answer you. Now you, he goes back to Zacatecas. He's not your necessarily. So he, it, it's weird because he learned to be Mexican here. I I I I don't know. I'm I'm really um, kind of uh, taken aback by just how clear the the reasoning behind the way people feel that this term doesn't really fit comfortably. Mm-hmm. Because I was thinking about the the research is is presented in a way that actually is common sense, right? So that it tells people that this project that like. Uh, the, the models of assimilation are clear, but you have to ignore them. Meaning, when I talk to people, and this has been going for a while, they will say there is no one single Hispanic community. Or you can't assume that every quote-unquote person who accepts Hispanic as a terminology is the same. But it almost doesn't matter because I think about the fact that like everyone pretends that that shouldn't be an issue. What I'm trying to say is like almost like everyone everyone knows that it's inaccurate, but just pretends that it is accurate. Well, so I, when you address your dad, uh-huh. that example I think is shared by many and many, if not the majority of people. Yeah, you know, you don't even. Yeah, you. I mean, it's. It's layered, right? So when you talk about like, okay, uh, you immigrated from Mexico. Did you immigrate from a city? Did you immigrate from a rancho? Did you immigrate from a pueblo? Um, So if you're already talking about some kind of marginalized group in Mexico, they're having that experience here. Um, And if they don't have enough support, I mean, I think the higher rate of them wanting to become you know, just identify Mexican. But I was going to say, I think it, it depends also um, what side uh, of, you know, the tennis court you're on. So, for example, if you immigrated here, you know, per se, no tenis papeles or whatnot, and, um, oh, you're going to identify Mexican because identifying Mexican is a means of survival here. Um, but I think second generations and on who, uh, you know, we have a little bit more of privilege of understanding the, the issue at hand um, can ask for more, you know. But I know, for example, my dad's not going to ask for some social justice around, you know, um, because he's trying to just get through. You know, he's trying to, you know, I would say he's comfortable now, but, you know, I'm sure that's the process that he had to go through, which is to not ask for more. I'm comfortable where I'm at. I'm comfortable with whatever you give me, right? Now you have more second-generation activism, more social justice uh, work being done, but luckily because there's there's uh, that distance. Yeah, I I recall just this sense of how the different experiences 
are going to be manifested not just by region of entry, as you mentioned, whether you're coming from the rural you know, outskirts or the cities, uh, a professional background too, a lot of them, for example. Um, when people immigrate to the United States, they bring in their own like life histories. Yes. And in the United States, there is this aggregating effect that you must be categorized in order for us to make sense of you. And you and I think that's what I heard, how I made sense of what you talked about, the survival category. Mm-hmm. Like in order for you to survive, um, run with a group. And sometimes you have a real conscious decision. And other times before you knew it, you were Over clumped there, by, by force, yeah. right? And uh, one of the things that we kind of have been looking at is that there, the term Hispanic for some reason feels appropriate because there's a belief system that this community is sharing some common culture. Which I think people translate to language, I'm assuming. And that's a possible one. In fact, I'd like to kind of think about um, how, how we can kind of address that. When people think about uh, the issue of language, I think Spanish is the predominant language that will mark that sense of um, membership. Mm-hmm. But I still find it difficult because of the way that uh, generational, it goes away. Mm-hmm. So it's like a little contradiction, yeah, right? So I'm going to say that because you speak Spanish. It goes away here in you're, the U.S. You're, you're, yeah. Yes, you, you're Hispanic or Latino. And then you have a daughter and she won't speak it. Uh, but yet now we make an exception. Okay, now the exception is she's not she's Spanish not, speaking. She's not Spanish speaking, but she's but still Hispanic. So the point what I'm kind of getting is it's so funny how we are always becoming aware of how flawed the categories are. Yes. But stubborn to not abandon them. Yeah, I think it's a vulnerable moment. It, it, uh, I think especially I would say vulnerable moment for the second generation people born here. You know, it's vulnerable to not be, not carry the life history that maybe your mom and your dad were able to carry. You know, that might be what they're holding on to as well, which is I mean, obviously, uh, having an identity is a really big, healthy part of a person's well-being, you know, Um, not to defend at all, but definitely, um, you know, taking that angle of understanding. But yeah, it definitely is flawed. And I think it's holding itself on through people's fear of not, you know, not knowing how else to identify. Yeah, good call. Because that is the... And in, in most of my work, I keep repeating this, like the term identity, I always require like an adjective beforehand. You know, we all car- all of us carry identity mm-hmm. because it's just a definitional label. But which one are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Am I talking about a, a gender identity, um, a class identity, an ethnic identity? Mm-hmm. And in terms of the ethnic identity, it is awkward how comfortable people are asking that question what are you oh yeah and i'll say like oh, i'm from la no no but what are you where no but like, what are you it's like oh i'm a ucr person that works at the radio station no 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 you know it's like oh, come what, on man what, for what, real what, what do you way? want They're like oh what's your nationality <laughs> like uh, american no no oh what? that one really what, upsets what are you talking people. about and then i was like okay what what do you want do I'm going to say I'm Hispanic? You know, yeah, yeah, run with that because I think I can make sense of that. You know, this yeah. idea of this constant fight for 
requiring people to define themselves just to be just so that the other person can be made comfortable in how they will place you in their form of well, that, logic that's how they've been socialized to organize their thoughts you know so that like you have to fall in somewhere and if you don't then you're confusing the heck out of people you know so they're um yeah, the, a lot of people aren't very comfortable with in-between identities. Uh, that whole concept of, like, ni de aquí ni de allá, um, that one doesn't fit well. Um, it does, but now you then you get nasty things like, oh, you're whitewashed or you're, um, I mean, tons, right? Yeah, I, I'm going to put a pin on that one, uh, the whitewash, because I was thinking about something that a friend of mine once said, and we're talking, and he said... He was white and his name is Hector and and nobody would classify him as white in our circle because mm-hmm. he lived in our experiences. You know, he spoke in the same type of life histories we've had. So if anything, we had other terms for him. You're like, you know, he, he could be Chicano. He could be Mexican. He could be Mexican-American. American. Uh-huh. Uh, he could be Latino. He could be Hispanic. But when he was like, nah, man, I'm white. And and he was laughing because he had just seen his birth certificate and. Mm-hmm. And it said white, you know. He's like, bam. And he was like, bam. Told and, you. But what he was excited about was just pushing what you said. Mm-hmm. Like, can I push the box? Can I choose my own box? Because I'm really running with this whole white thing. If you thing. really, if people, re- you know, I have a friend, um, brown, short, little girl, grew up with white values, um, family from El Salvador, but, but loud and proud. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm white. Yeah, I mean, like. I know I'm brown, but, like, I'm whitewashed. And then you'll get the opposite one. So when people are sincere, she's being dead honest. I grew up being as close to whiteness as I could because that was what my parents came here for. And she was a full representation of their American dream, right? But it pissed people off because it was just like, but look at you. You're brown. You're short. Like, really, you think you're white? You know, so it's you're never going to please anyone. And I really admire her sense of sincerity as as disturbing as it is to, I think, 95% of the people and the other five being her parents and her brother, you know. Um, I really admire that because she's being honest and she, you know, her heart is really in the right place. But if we start talking about how she's dressing, how she's talking, she is being very sincere with how uh, she grew up to, to believe herself to be. If you're just joining in, um, this is uh, Daniel with the D Report. We are speaking with Daisy Ocampo uh, regarding the concept of Hispanic and Latino as a term. This conversation is rooted in a report by the Hispanic Pew Center or the Pew Hispanic Center, depending on how you want to put it together, uh, titled "When Labels Don't Fit: Hispanics and Their Views on of Identity." And we were kind of just breaking down a couple of things. One of the things that I found immediately is that this report offers nothing new. I'm excited that it came out, but we we all we have always known that Hispanic never fit. Mm-hmm. And I came across it so many times, ridiculous. I was one time talking to this one lady uh, uh, during the political campaign, and it was for the Obama administration and the Democrats, and she was some high person in like organizing, and. And the first thing she was talking about was like the Latino uh, voter community, the voting block. Mm-hmm. 
And then she says, well, let me just be frank. There is no one Latino voting Brock, like one unified one. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, but let's keep talking. And I'm like, oh, that's cheating. You just declared that there isn't. Like, mm-hmm. we can't do that. Mm-hmm. As it turns out, um, you can do that for everyone else. Like, there is no white voting block either. Mm-hmm. You know, people in the South are right. voting differently than people in, like... Well, uh, the Cubans in Florida are voting yeah, very different yeah, than the Mexicans. Exactly. And, yeah. but, but I found it funny because she was someone that was very blunt, but she just said, let's move on. You know, let me let me touch that. Let's let me tell you what I learned, <laughs> <laughs> even though I just told you that it doesn't really apply when you're really honest. Yeah. Anyway, so for today, that's what we're talking about. Uh, trying to think about a couple of things, and one of the things that comes to mind um, is the po- concept of assimilation. An assimilation as this cultural transformation to the point of erasing an original cultural context, and Hispanic and and Latino is one of those major versions we always uh talk about this idea of like american assimilation Mm -hmm. but we forget that within that there's other boxes so i'm no longer you know i'm not longer talking about like just being called white what about the person that that you mentioned immigrates is able to recall a specific moment when they were not mexican Mm -hmm. but now are just hispanic and no longer their original ethnic community Mm -hmm. Their children will be severed so that that one uh, Yaqui community that immigrates and then they're just like Hispanic two generations later. That is what happened to all the communities that immigrated from Poland and just became white. The Irish from a specific, you know, community became uh, white. The Italian from the south. That was not just even, they didn't even think of themselves as Italian because that was too national. It was like, they're like Sicilian, Southern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, bam, then now they're just white. Right. So are, are we getting that same approach that we're getting this idea of like Hispanic is the same thing that happened to people who are now think of themselves as white. They erase themselves to whiteness. Are we erasing ourselves to eventually just become Hispanic? Yeah, no, well, I really liked how you said the different um, levels of assimilation. So rarely does it go, like, from my friend, from, like, you know, from El Salvador to, no, I think I'm white. Like, yes, I I am white. It usually takes a whole process, right? So usually um, I think each generation something gets lost, right? For one, just the immediate experience of... um, of being here in the U.S. and not wherever, you know, for example, your your family is from um, is a loss in itself. Right. And in, in what you want to consider if you, you know, if you want to identify with like a place in Oaxaca, if you're not born there and if you're not living there, visiting there, whatever, it's already a kind of you're already vulnerable to to getting judged. You're not enough of right which is how this works you're not enough of right and if uh, i think these categories like hispanic you know just kind of praise on that y- you know um but yes i do think so yeah i i'm Unfortunately, just kinda, yeah the I'm final about answer that. is i i think it does because i think it would take some really cool a approach to counter that like something i mean you have to have really a, a big commitment you know, and you have to be pretty gentle 
yet at the same time have a lot of tactic because to counter assimilation is difficult given that you're about to submerge yourself in all the institutions. Yeah, in terms of assimilation, I like that um, that phrase for those uh, geeks out there that like think about Star Trek, that Borg that uh-huh. says uh, resistance is futile, you will be assimilated. <laughs> you know, it's just the sense that like uh, these entities are are kind of encountering people and they assimilate them into this collective. Yeah. But for but their mantra is resistance is futile. Like, why are you fighting me, dude? I'm gonna assimilate you. And when, mm-hmm. and and once you're assimilated, you become integrated into their collective to the point that you erase your original sense of self as an individual. And I think about assimilation in terms of this process of erasing. And most of us have been really concerned with like whiteness as the utmost point of assimilation. So I might say like, oh, I'm not really assimilated because I'm I'm not white. Mm-hmm. And my friend Hector was the one that really challenged that because he was having a grand time uh, not just being funny, Aww. but I think he was really being sincere in, in this sense of loss. Because let me tell you why he, he was saying that. He was saying that because at that point, he was trying to say, what about me isn't white? So that like, if I have to prove that I am not white, he was like, the way I think, I don't feel I can connect with my parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way I speak is like I don't understand any of their languages. Mm-hmm. Um, my sense of cultural well-being is all U.S.-based pop American values. Mm-hmm. When I think about my parents and their values, their tradition, my grandfather, different. They're Can't like alien even. to me. They're yeah. like, and he was. I think he was struggling with his sense of loss. I don't think he was excited that I did this on purpose. It was more of a realization. Wow, this happened. And when he was done, he was like, there's nothing other than, which was eventually they called him on, and it's like my skin tone. Mm -hmm. And if that's all there is, that is the most superficial of things. Hey, but you know what? I was uh, having a conversation because um, I was was talking to a friend, and um, she's dark brown. And she acknowledged the same thing, like I'm white in many, many, many ways. But her her skin color and the discrimination that that brought with it made her realize she could never, ever fully be white. So it was interesting because she identified her her own stigma of being uh, brown as what she held on to, which is I would have never gone through this if I was actually white or if i was accepted as being white yeah if, if her skin pigment was was a little bit lighter like i, I was right. thinking for example like uh we come across people with different skin tones within this community that they call hispanic and latinos yeah it's another one i mean there isn't one body and i say like you know my friend Hector, yeah he has skin tone that we call brown canela you know Spicy. Oh. <laughs> and I was just thinking in terms of of the racial categories that we have in the United States, and in the, in terms of race as this myth, as this fictive sense of uh, assuming that the human collective can be broken into these distinct biological groups. Mm-hmm. All all of our science is telling us that's a social construct. It's a made up thing that we learn to do it uh, through very 
awful mechanisms, right? We learned to do it through the issues of slavery, of oppression, mm -hmm. uh, a nation building. Having said that, one of the first things that we come across is the Latinos really challenge race because it doesn't fit. Um, one of the reviews here says that uh, when, when people are asked among the Latino community, Hispanic community in the U.S. census, they, they choose some other race as opposed to white or black, you know, or native because they go, well, where, where do I fit? I'm, I don't know where I fit. Um, but when we speak about the Latino community as this like pan-ethnic uh, generalized sense, we are dealing with multiple issues. And one of the first ones is that we are talking about culture, but we are talking about the body. And I think that's what throws a whole new line of confusion to it because people want to be stuck that, well, look at me. The skin tone marks me as non-white. So mm -hmm. therefore, what am I? Mm -hmm. You know, and I, you have to choose one of the other boxes, I guess what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. But it's only because you have limiting options. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, I was just talking to you about it. I have a friend that's uh, Belizean. And I look at her family experience, just, you know, just to even just chill in her living room, uh, have dinner with them. And I see my family and, it, and it's interesting. It's a whole different. Um, it's beautiful. Diversity is a really nice, beautiful thing if it can be left as that, you know, and let it change, assimilate, alter it as it needs to. But... Um, there's something powerful about that, you know, knowing that you have your own dynamics, that you don't have to be anything else than whatever is there, you know. Um, yeah, so I was saying she's uh, she's light, uh, Afro-Belizean. Uh, her dad is just Afro-Black, if you may. And that was a big thing. It's like, Kiana, are you going to become Black? You know, because... Uh, I forgot what language they speak in, in Belize, but that's what they speak, and it's not... Oh, is it a native language? Because they have a couple things. I mean, they, they speak Spanish, they speak, they speak English, they have a collection of uh, Afro-Indigenous languages well, in yeah, Belize as well. Yeah, it's one of those. Um, it wasn't Spanish and it wasn't English, right? But, um, yeah, it was interesting because, uh, so, I mean, with the parents, again, it, it was almost uh, one of those things where it's like, well, I understand where you guys come from. And then comes this interesting thing of like, well, what's going to happen with my friend and her generation of siblings? Well, and that was um, that was a big talk during high school. It's just like, oh, are you going to become black? You know, because it was happening with one of her older siblings and not so much her. And it was interesting how they're able to pick and choose, right? depending on what circles they were around. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that's one of the things that has always really confused me the most about this terminology that feels so awkward to me and to actually almost everyone I talk to, but yet in, in its execution is so commonly accepted. To me, that's a, that's a really confusing contradiction so that I, when I repeat, when you ask people, the majority, and I want to say like, like overwhelming majority, like almost everyone mm -hmm. says, no, it doesn't fit well. It's kind of clunky, inaccurate. 
So that's what they say. But, but gets- the majority overwhelmingly just run with it. What's interesting, I think uh, some people have grown have grown different things, uh, different lines to kind of help facilitate that, you know, so they acknowledge they don't, but at the same time, they're not necessarily going to fight it. So you'll hear lines of like, oh, pues es que ellos son de, de esta área, y yo he ido que por allá, you know, it's like this and like that. We're, we don't really do that. So they're able to mark that they're not. Um, but at the same time, they're okay being in this category. But, you know, it's, it's an interesting... Um, you know, tug and pull. I, I, I see that a lot with like, oh, well, you know, for example, es que en Belisa ya son morenos y yo he ido que como que trajeron. Yo no sé, you know, but they, they know a history. They know it's different. But they'll be the first one to mark that box. Well, that's what comes to mind because the, again, got referring back to the research findings. There's a, a number which I think is quite low comparatively to what I would um uh, believe or expect and it says 69 percent of those that were surveyed that um fall under this quote-unquote hispanic demographic stated that they did not believe that there was a shared common culture among this hispanic category yeah i don't think so and to me, that's still lower than what I, I mean, when I come across it, I'm hitting like 99%. Like, and maybe because I am have a skewed sample, I don't know, maybe everyone in my <laughs> circles <laughs> has been having the same issues. But I think about our parents, uh, how they had to learn to think about themselves as Hispanic and Latino. And that was a, a moment. If you check them, they're all going like, yeah, kind of, I never really thought about that term when yeah. I was 18. You know, just able to but when I came to the U.S., that's what they told me I was. Yeah. You know. And there was other people around me who were also. Confused. In the same. Yeah. And having said that, that's the problem. Like, why are we accepting a way of being clumped together when we are fully aware that we have very little in common I don't know. I'm just thinking like, because I understand the the model of, for example, of its inception. Like, I want to return to something that used to happen a lot when we were little kids. Not that little, but like when I was like, you know, 20. And and all about like trying to think about terminology and my sense of self and ethnic identity. Mm -hmm. And Hispanic was always like, oh, I'm breaking that one down. It's like his panic. You know, like it's just the way the U.S. government has like aggregated us and it was this really that was before i actually knew that the u.s government in 1976 established this policy to yes. for statistic purposes aggregate hispanic right i would have had even more ammunition if i was 20 going crazy you know like see i got this documentation it's all a conspiracy i, got it, look. I would have been going crazy i think oh um but i think that I'm, i was onto something and my friends were onto something that this terminology was sketch you know, I was just thinking how how much of uh of how like the default, you know, like we just became Hispanic happens out of just that initial group of people who are just as confused. I'll tell you why. Um, where I worked, I had a client. You know, we have them fill out paperwork, and of course, there's these boxes. And she's a Zapotec woman from uh, Oaxaca, Sierra Norte. 
And so she she's looking at this box like, I don't even know what they're, I don't even, que es etnicidad? She barely knew how to read. She asked homegirl next to her, it was like, oh, you stick esta, because she knows some Spanish. She was like, ajá, y aquí, que, que, que va a poner aquí? And she goes, oh, yo aquí le pongo latino, aquí, aquí en esta cajita aquí, aquí póngale una X. Ah, ok, muchas gracias. I was like, whoa! <laughs> But that's what happens. It's like that. It's those, little, well, I mean, they thought it was little moments, but to me it was speaking volumes, right? But it, because, because it was it in the happening. Well, what you were visualizing is what all of us have had our whole lives. These micro moments of instruction that right. culminate to collect, to, to um, express a collective larger sense right, of definition. Right, yep. And they happen just like that because yep. you were not given an option. And again, uh, for those that are, you are tuning in, uh, today we were just talking about uh, the term Hispanic, uh, Latino, in kind of recognition of that Hispanic Heritage Month. I'm pretty sure you guys are seeing all the banners and all the commercials and all the different ways that uh, people get, uh, quote unquote, celebrated. Um, this this talk is really, I mean, it's a, it's like a long talk. And to some degree, sometimes it's a talk that some people will say, like, you're just overthinking it. I've had people just say that to me, like, you're doing much to do about nothing, man. There's nothing here to be addressed, you mm -hmm. know. And as we kind of wrap it up, I'm just thinking about uh, in what ways for you is this one uh, significant enough to talk about and another not as significant? I'm not I'm not interested, meaning it's not significant for me to start a debate. Actually, I, I go in circles and I, and I think I kind of get annoying, borderline, ugh, you know, she's oh gosh, she's always talking bringing up all these big things, you know, cuz it makes them feel vulnerable. So I that's the approach I haven't Who's them though. For anyone that considers themselves in that box, okay? Um, so if I start deconstructing, you know, how we're doing right now, that's painful. It's uncomfortable and it's very, it's not productive. So I usually like to do the opposite, which is to to honestly ask, like, oh, where are you from? You know, because I think what's missing is opportunities for them to speak about their life histories. There are no opportunities. No one cares about that here, especially in these boxes. So I think if we had more children asking their parents and grandparents, you know, more about where they came from or whatnot, you know, just even out of curiosity or either just a kitchen table conversation, that means a lot because they're able to refer back to as something significant and something that people still want to know about. If they don't, they will e become even more comfortable with these categories, which is it doesn't matter anymore. So I've learned to um, give more opportunities, and I always ask. And I could tell it always makes them feel good, and that, that to me, is sufficiently important. And with that, that runs our time. Um, Daisy, I want to thank you for coming and joining us again. This was a really good talk. <laughs> all right, you're welcome. And again, uh, this is Daniel with The Do Report. I want to welcome all the listeners to feel free to... Um, Send us an email. The address here is comments at KUCR.org. You can go ahead and put on the subject heading, uh, D-Report, any, anything um, you want to offer us as feedback. Again, this show is designed to just spark up conversations around you know, the kitchen table, ideally with kids around, and maybe uh, just see what happens. You know, um, 
And with that, all right, this is D signing out. Stay tuned to KUCR on 88.3 FM.